Oh, hi, Mark. The biggest match in history right here. Come on, guys, let's brainstorm this puppy. Like a box. Let me get this straight. Oh, we're talking now, ain't we? I am gonna sell it out for you. Ball game. You're hearing me now, ain't you? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wishful Booking Wrestling Podcast. Uh, my name is Jimmy Moorcraft. I am joined by Satellite. Once again, I am using my uh, Vanguard One to transmit to my co-host Liam here. Uh-huh. What's the name of Matt Hardy's drone? No, yeah, you got it. Vanguard One. There we go. Vanguard That's One. It. You hit the nail on the uh, Vanguard One. This is how we are doing the podcast this week. Yeah. Liam? Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? Um, not bad. I can't complain. Thanks for asking. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing from Parts Unknown? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, another week of not a lot of stuff going on, but the stuff that did go on was pretty uh, pretty important, I would say. You think? Well, I guess we, we can talk yeah, about I that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could, we could definitely talk about it. We'll dive right in with uh, Monday Night Raw, which yeah. uh, began with Kurt Angle in the ring. Um, I right. was afraid that I would hear Roman Reigns' music hit. So I was very happy when that wasn't the case. <laughs> I didn't know if maybe yeah. maybe last week was like a test run to see whether or not yeah. Roman can handle, um, I don't know, that spot doing a show opening promo. On a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe that was just the start exactly. last week, right? Well, I fucking hope so. I mean, I, I love Kurt Angle, but he, he isn't exactly the best at it either. The fans just love him, so they'll always, yeah. he I still think, gets that big it. pop. But um, he came out and was, I mean, presumably going to announce Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns based on what happened last week. Right. And then um, Jason Jordan came out once again playing the incredibly annoying whining, which I think yeah. has to be intentional at this point, right? Like, I think I think he knows what he's doing at this oh, point. Oh, yeah, and totally. The Ever since, like, doing. right around Survivor Series, that's when he, I feel like he really started calling Kurt dad on a regular basis. And you know, kind yeah. of, I think in the in the end, it'll be revealed that it was like in a manipulative way, or at least that's what we've been talking about. Yeah, and You're he like, essentially asked for an opportunity for the Intercontinental Championship, which he really doesn't deserve, especially considering Roman Reigns beat him when he wasn't the champion. Yeah, um, I think Jason Jordan tried arguing that because of his performance in that match and in matches against like Finn Balor and John Cena, that he deserves one, but. As much as I hate Roman, I have to agree with him when he said, you know, you need to actually win those matches, not just perform well. Right. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. It's about your uh, record. You could be, I mean, look at Cesaro. If Cesaro wasn't with Sheamus, I don't think he'd be getting a bunch of title matches, and he's one of the best wrestlers on the entire, uh, no chance. in the company, let alone Raw. Right. But, um. <laughs> it's a reoccurring topic. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And then we have Joe coming out because, obviously, Roman Reigns made it clear that he also wanted Joe. Right. And Samoa Joe accepts his challenge. And then I don't even know where the logic was for Kurt Angle to eventually cave and give his son, which I hate saying, Jason Jordan, the match. I don't, I don't know. Like, How did you feel well, about how that went down? Well, like, what happened was, it's, it's a lot of things happened, actually, in rapid succession. Jason Jordan wanted a uh, shot at the Intercontinental title. And, you know, Roman Reigns was right. saying what you were saying, like he doesn't really deserve one. Samoa Joe came out. Reigns wanted Joe. Joe wanted Reigns. Uh, Jason Jordan, like, insulted Joe about how he doesn't attack people from behind. And then he proceeded to almost immediately attack Reigns from behind. And that's what prompted Reigns to say, all right, fine, Jordan, you can have it right now. Right. And, and- So that's that's how it led to the match that we that we got. 
Yeah, and I really, I'm hoping it was like intentional that the fact that Jason Jordan literally just said, um, I don't attack people from behind. And then sure enough, we have um, Jason Jordan attacking Roman Reigns from behind. Um, like immediately, yeah. I mean, whatever slow burn thing they're doing here, I have to imagine that was like something that was intentionally kind of like weird in a way. Yeah. Yeah, when I get you back in studio, um, we really have to talk through this a little bit deeper, I feel like, because it's really, I don't know, I, it's, it seems like he's manipulating Kurt, and he's ultimately going to be turning heel, it's just a matter of when. But on the other hand, he's also like, the story is also that he seems to be a fighter, at least if you go by what he says. Well, I guess if, if the knee injury turns out to be fake, then... But that's the other thing, he keeps landing on the knee, so I feel like at this point he would have at least some kind of a knee injury. So I really, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have worked better for his character to do something similar to what he did with Kane last week, to, to like, get tattered out and to blame it on the knee. So then he has, like, a justification for why he wants another match because him and Roman Reigns had a match, which, as good as it was, it was 21 minutes long. Jeez. It was way too long. <laughs> and um, There were some, there was some know, cool spots bad. in there, though. See, that's the other thing. You know, Jordan, the character, is pulling off some cool spots, like what we saw in the match. Yeah, I mean, like it catch- is getting to the point now where the wow factor is, is kind of over. I mean, like you were just about to say, him catching Roman Reigns is very impressive. Yeah. Out of midair. Yeah. And then the suplex to the outside. Well, yeah, that suplex. And also the bridging Northern Lights suplex is cool, but like we're starting to see this stuff. So it's a good match. You're saying we're getting numb, we're getting kind of numb to it, right? Right. He's a really great performer, but we kind of know that already. So it doesn't take anything away from him. Yeah. But at the same time, he definitely needs some more character, you know, development and, and work done. You know, if they want us to buy him, do anything else, because he's, he's getting booed. And I don't know if they want that or not. Like, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, how did the... Oh, after the match with, with Roman Reigns, Joe came out talking about how, you know, the rookie took Reigns the distance... And uh, right. then ultimately, uh, Reigns, I feel like, blindsided Jordan with a Superman punch. Yeah, after Jason Jordan kind of helped him in a way, too, right? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, so Jordan was leaving the ring. Samojo came in and attacked Reigns. And then Jordan was helping Reigns fend Joe off, which I guess Reigns may or may not have seen, but I don't think, I feel like commentary didn't really make mention of that. And No, actually, Corey Graves made Roman look like a bad guy. I'm not a good guy. Oh, for Corey attacking said, Jordan like that. Yeah, which I kind of thought was dumb for Corey Graves to do because he sometimes picks and chooses when to be a heel commentator. Yeah, yeah, he definitely goes back and forth for sure. And it's weird because I feel like he's the only quick Booker's doing whatever the fuck Booker's doing. <laughs> I don't even think Booker knows. Depends what on the doing. night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was weird because Corey Graves was like, oh, why would Roman do that? Jason Jordan was helping him. And yeah. then Corey oh, yeah. Graves is also Jason Jordan's biggest fan. It's weird, but then, so this entire segment between these three men lasted literally the first hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, the match had three commercials, and then they went backstage to uh, Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan in Kurt Angle's office, and then Samoa Joe came in and attacked Jason Jordan. Right. Samoa Joe was like, you know, you want me later, like, you have me. So, But they didn't, like, say, like, oh, Jason Jordan can't compete. It was very weird. Yeah. And then nothing ever happened. It seemed like they made a match, but I guess, yeah, they just really made no mention of it after that, which was weird. Yeah. Oh, there was another thing I want to ask you. Oh, the opening match. Can superstars, like, not fathom the concept of a triple threat? Because 
for me, when you've got Reigns and you've got Jordan and Joe both want a piece of him and, you know, are starting to get at each other, it seems obvious that a triple threat should have just, why not just do that? Do you think they're ultimately saving that or? Well, I think, I mean, I, I was going to say because Jason Jordan doesn't deserve a match, but he, then he got a singles match. So yeah. that would go out, that would go out of the window. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like, is he I mean, because this... Samoa Joe seemed like he was against Jordan being in the match too. Yeah. So I don't know. But you don't think this is going to become like a three-way feud? Like the, I'm hoping no. Jordan, this was just a temporary mixing of you know Jordan's ongoing storyline with Angle with this. Yeah, because uh, we could we could I mean we could talk about since Roman Reigns and Joe inter are interjected into the last match. We can also talk about. Um, Obviously, Sheamus and Cesaro defending their titles against Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Right. And that they had another really, really great match. It was a little overbooked, um, but I think, yeah. you know, we needed to see with the whole, like, they, you know, disqualification, which I don't know. I couldn't really tell if Sheamus intended for that to happen because, like, the commentators made it seem that way. But, like, I guess you could pass it off as, like, Sheamus just beating him up so badly that he, like, got angry and lost sight of what was happening. Yeah. And... Just real quick while you're on that, that's another thing. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like they're getting a little complacent in like their reoccurring tropes like this that have become so formulaic over the years. Kurt Angle comes out and he says, no, you know, you're not going to keep the titles like that. We're going to restart the match. No disqualification. You know, is it strange that Kurt Angle is so short? Dean Ambrose was just getting beat down by Sheamus so badly that the ref stopped the match. How does Angle know that Dean Ambrose would want to restart the match as opposed to maybe composing himself and having a fresh match next week. You gotta be kidding me. How? You know what I mean? Like, the only reason he is ultimately is because that's, this, that's how they do it. Like, that's just the way they do it. But that's not good enough for me. Definitely don't yeah. do that. Throw me a freaking bone here. Um, I mean, like you said, they've done it before a lot. Part of it is that I think Kurt Angle, being the general manager and being in charge of the show, I think he doesn't want his show to end like that in general. And I think that... Yeah, that's a good point. What I was talking about before with Sheamus and Cesaro, whether or not they intentionally got disqualified, Kurt Angle almost seemed like they did, like they were getting away with something. Right, right, right. And also, you know, Seth Rollins and Dean, Dean Ambrose are baby faces, so by default, I think they probably liked that opportunity because of the no disqualification uh, stipulation being added, they could have theoretically used, like, I mean, they wouldn't have because they're baby faces, but they kind of could have used, like, a steel chair or... Something to kind of like one up, you know, after yeah. all, all the damage comes to Ambrose. I guess Ambrose could have had a lot of things in his means to then inflict damage on Sheamus and Cesaro. Yeah, yeah. I think in hindsight, I don't even think it would have been weird if the match was no disqualification to begin with based on their history, you know. I thought, well, you thought, I thought it would just be a way to extend the, the feud since we have no pay-per-view going up. I, I actually kind of thought they were going to build to a stipulation match. I would love to see a ladder match between them as like the final blow-off. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they, they've got to go somewhere from here. I mean, just just to mix it up, if nothing more, because they've been, right, these exactly. teams have been back and forth for months and months. Okay, no problem. Right. Here's my second plan. And then after that, uh, what we just talked about, the restart, we had Samoa Joe come out, which then led to Roman Reigns come out, who kind of jogged to the ring. I thought that was weird. I don't know if you noticed that or not. <laughs> no, I didn't like, actually. That was kind of weird. And I but I certainly the, will go back and watch it. Yeah, I wasn't the only one who picked up on it, but that was kind of strange. Uh and then after Roman Reigns jogs out, we have... Uh, I just want to be clear, Jimmy's saying that Roman jogged out. That's jog with a G at the end, not a B. Wouldn't have been my first call. Samoa Joe went to attack... Uh, I forgot who Samoa Joe actually attacked first. 
Um, oh, I think both of them. Yeah, I feel like he went after, I don't know who specifically first, but he definitely went after both of them. And then Roman Reigns came out, and then I think Joe ran out of the ring, if I, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, Reigns kind of chased Joe out, but I guess that distraction led to uh, Sheamus hitting the bro kick on Ambrose, and then Cesaro got the pin. Right, well, before that, though, Roman Reigns super punched Cesaro. Superman punched him, and then went after uh, Joe, but Sheamus was able to bro kick Dean Ambrose and then put Cesaro's like lifeless body on top of right. Dean Ambrose. Right, right. So uh I liked I liked that ending. I kinda like how the finish was eerily similar to the first match, how it was like in a bunch of like disarray and it and it kind of happened I think in the same way, except the first time before Survivor's in Seamus pinned uh Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. You're talking Cesaro about with the New Day. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Because that wasn't the first time the two met. Yeah, it was kind of clear. a callback. I don't know if that was if that was intentional, but I kind of liked how it was a callback, which made me think that the, the match needs to have some sort of stipulation that does not involve a pinfall at this point. Yeah, definitely. So I definitely like to see a ladder match. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, and Joe left with Cesaro and Sheamus, leading me to believe that there's definitely going to be a six-man tag match happening. Yeah, that's what I you took the words right out of my mouth. The obligatory it seems like six-man tag. The way Raw went off the air with Cesaro, Sheamus, and Joe were basically all together. Yeah, and I'm wondering when, so where do you see the timeline happening of when you think Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns will happen for the IC title, and when do you think the final tag team championship match will be? Uh, that's a good question. Maybe the Christmas Raw, if, if they take our idea and kind of try to make a big show out of it, since Raw doesn't have a pay-per-view this month. Yeah. I was thinking that. I think that you can have a few weeks of, um, you know, these kind of matches. Maybe even do like Samoa Joe versus like Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose and have Roman Reigns be ringside or something like that. And I think maybe you do the six man in two weeks to lead into the following week. You know, I guess it's the Christmas episode, probably. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, You got what you wanted. Oh, you got to love it. And uh, talking about some other of the major developments on Raw, we have... uh, Elias came out to serenade the crowd. I, I like. I'm so happy that <laughs> I'm so happy that he's getting over. Yeah, it proves that you don't need a long stay in NXT. I think he had a character that was very easily adaptable to the main roster, and I think that talking about many of the NXT stars, such as Finn Balor, uh, who have not been handled well, I think Elias has been handled very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Finn Balor. There's, you know. They they started with good intentions, but then fate took over, unfortunately. I think and that had a big effect on the current state of things. Exactly. And also, I mean, I never thought Elias would be facing Roman Reigns. Or, I mean, I could see him as a, as a like, if they have, like, one of their multi-man matches or, like, even at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, you know, because if you think about, they're probably going to have, if I can guess, because Elimination Chamber is raw, they're not going to have Brock Lesnar defended in the chamber. They're going to probably have the number one contender be crowned in the chamber. And probably, SmackDown yeah. got the Rumble. And thinking about the guys who could be in it, you have uh, Roman. Uh, well, actually, now that we have Matt Hardy, maybe not. Because I was, I was going to say you could do Roman, yeah. uh, Finn Balor, Ron Strowman, Samoa Joe, uh, Bray Wyatt, and Elias. Delete! Delete! But maybe you could do, instead of Elias, maybe. Broken Matt Hardy. Yeah, we but, have to uh, see how what kind of trajectory that storyline takes. Um, yes. Elias, I, I agree with you. I think that was sick. And I also like that because what happened, wasn't Kurt Angle was kind of punishing Elias by giving him the match with Braun Strowman, right? 
In a way, yeah. I forget what for completely. My mind is like gone blank. <laughs> well, Elias kind of like threatened Kurt Angle backstage, saying that you have to stop giving your son. Um, That's right. Opportunities. Yeah. And I'm glad that Kurt Angle did punish him because did you see Braun Strowman coming out of that segment? Because I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did too. As soon as Kurt Angle was saying, like, oh, you'll have a match. Um, even though it wasn't a match, Braun Strowman just did his thing, power slammed Elias. Um, yeah, it was enough. It came from, it was very awkward. Um, I just, what do you think? I think it'd be really cool, and I actually saw someone else say this because I thought it was a weird thought. But after last week, since, you know, Braun Strowman returned the favor to Kane, what Kane did to Strowman two weeks ago, but Strowman did it a few times extra, I think it would have been really cool if Kane had his voice box back. Yeah, yeah, that could have been really cool. That would have been funny. Yeah, but um, his promos now are just I don't know, kind of tacky and very like theatrical. Well, they're trying to they're trying to establish him as this monster that he really hasn't been almost since around when he debuted twenty years right. ago. Um, exactly. So I guess that's why the added theatrics. That's their best attempt. But I thought I had mentioned to you off air. I thought that there was a good chance we wouldn't see Kane before the Rumble. And I was thinking Braun Strowman might challenge for the Universal title at the Rumble, or it could be a multi-man match, including Braun Strowman, and you could have Kane reappear then, take out Strowman in a major way, and then set up. Because I really think, I mean, I guess it it depends a lot on what happens next week if we get any degree of finality, but like, I really think that this may be what they have in mind for Strowman through to WrestleMania. You know, keep him away from titles, but to still... Kind of, because they really, you know, I can't say it enough, they really dropped the ball with him last year. Agreed. Yeah, I think that that was a hard time for him. I mean, I still think that the match with Brock Lesnar at No Mercy should have ended with, with, with a no count out, or, or some sort of a... Yeah. Some sort of something, just because I so think... you get nothing! Because you don't... Well, first of all, they, they could have main evented with Roman and Cena, and... That's right. ...done something better with that match, because they kind of fucked themselves over with... I still can't believe they put that match. As much as I wouldn't want to see it again, and, you know, I did enjoy the build to it. I'm still surprised they threw that in, like, a random pay-per-view. Talking about Roman versus Cena. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that... And that they just closed you, it off like that. Yeah, and if they were afraid of, like, giving Lesnar and Strowman a bullshit ending and main eventing with it, then you could have justified not main eventing with it and having that ending, which would right. then lead to a bigger build at the Rumble with Strowman and Lesnar maybe in, like, a no-holds-barred match or something. Yeah. Yeah, or you could still do a tournament. You know, there's still enough time to do some kind of a tournament, like we discussed recently. Yes, listen to last week's show for that. That's right. <laughs> Bring um, a pen and a paper. And they, oh, and they announced Strowman versus Kane for next week. So, do you think it's going to have an actual ending, or do you think this is one of many matches to come? Yeah, no, I think it's one of many matches to come, and it'll either you know it'll put one of them out until around the Rumble. Because I really, I mean, unless I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong and they do end it next week, but I think it's one or the other. Yeah, see, the the next topic I was going to bring up, which is the, I was waiting all, I was watching the show and I was like, are they really not going to capitalize on the whole Matt Hardy thing from last week? I mean, Matt Hardy did such a good job on social media, creating buzz and excitement, and then finally I saw Wyatt, and I'm like, all right, great. Yeah, and, um, and they did so, not. I personally, they did not disappoint. This this was like my favorite thing about Raw. What did you think about it? Uh, well, first I have a question: Did Matt Hardy wear the broken mat attire yet in WWE? No, I think this was the first time he wore anything like that. 
I feel like I remember him. I don't know if it's just because I, I remember him wearing it from all, all the videos that I watched when he was in Impact, but I feel like I recall him wearing that under like his normal ring gear for something. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's yeah, like it could a pay-per-view. Be wrong, but I really don't think so. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Woken Matt Hardy appeared, and you and I, I don't think we talked about this last week, or at least it didn't make it to air. I think we talked about it just at work. But how I actually like the Woken name, and I think at first people were. Yeah. Pretty- cringing at it because of the fact that it was obviously similar to Broken and there were those legal disputes despite Anthem coming out recently saying that now apparently all of the talents are allowed to use different gimmicks that they used or I'm not sure the I'm not sure about the legal mumbo jumbo but I actually think the Woken name works because literally the as you said in, in the promo because as Bray Wyatt speaking you then they then cut to a feed of Matt Hardy speaking I do think that I didn't like that is that a little was, weird yeah, I didn't. I, I like what he said. I think the crowd reacted well, and in general, I like you said it was like my favorite part of Raw. I loved seeing him. I loved hearing him use you know the vessel and and condition yeah. and all those words. That was great. Um, Genghis Khan and all of the callbacks to the right. final deletion videos. Totally. But I didn't like where it was done. I think it would have been cool if they shot it. And I know that this is not on the road, so we couldn't get to North Carolina, but try to make it seem like he was doing it at the Matt Hardy, I forgot what he calls that. It's not the compound. Wherever the house is in the Final videos, deletion, right, right, right. Yeah, he was yeah, in a house. the Hardy think, estate or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know, it's not a big deal that it was cut behind like a random like, you know, studio, but I did think it was kind of tacky. It would have been cool if he was like outside somewhere or yeah. maybe like near a lake. Well, there was a clear contrast between him and Bray was like in almost total darkness and Matt was just lit up real bright, like you could see him fine. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying, because Bray Wyatt cut a promo in the room that he always cuts a promo in, and as much as those promos can be, you know, cringeworthy or maybe not all of them make a lot of sense. Some of them can be cool. No, well, I'm a huge Wyatt fan, but I know the people in general has very strong opinions about him and his... Yeah. Um, well, his usage, and, I think, a lot, too. And his aesthetic is very clear with the smoke in that room. Yeah. Whereas this was the opportunity to show us Matt Hardy's aesthetic. It would have been cool if maybe he, whenever he does these promos, he has his own like thing. Yeah. Or somewhere. So it's a very small complaint. But if I were to wish for book this, I would have done three or four weeks of vignettes of Matt Hardy doing almost what he did on social media. I don't know. I think I showed you those videos. Yeah. Oh, no. I showed you when he was at, at a live event. But he has other videos up where he's, it's almost like a promo video that he made himself. Those would have been cool. Yeah. Um, if they were just going to do like a backstage, whatever you even call this, like the dual vignette, they really should have just sent him home and had him home for a couple weeks recording stuff like this to release every, like you're saying, for four weeks. Exactly. And then maybe exactly. debut him on the Christmas episode. I'm really curious to see what, what he comes out to. Like theme-wise. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I have to imagine, there's, you know, there's a big... Uh, not dispute. People are wondering, is Vince McMahon going to butcher this gimmick? Is Vince McMahon understand this gimmick? Well, that's certainly the question right now. And it's a very logical fear to have. I have to imagine, though, that Matt Hardy and Vince McMahon sat down. Yeah. I think that Matt Hardy probably asked Vince McMahon to hire Cinder Benjamin. I think they have merchandise deals in. I think that this, this could be a very lucrative financial success for Vince. And I, I believe, and I don't know if it's wishful booking or wishful thinking, whatever you want to call it, but I think that Vince is going to see this through and really let Matt Hardy shine through it. I, I don't think it's going to be what people are afraid of. Personally. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not as wishful as I currently think it is, but I definitely think you're giving Vince 
a little bit too much credit understanding the gimmick, you know, through and through, because that's really what it comes down to. If he, if he loses sight of what, what he thinks it is, then he'll lose interest, at least, you know, from my perspective. I'm the boss. Need the info. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, and it's definitely more more wishful than I probably should be, I can admit that. But, I don't know, I just have to imagine that if Matt Hardy, I mean, he's under contract, so I'm assuming that if this man told him to, to do this, he would do it, but, I don't know, I just feel like Matt Hardy has at least a decent amount of say in it. Yeah. Um, also on Twitter today, I don't know if you saw this, but Rebby Hardy tweeted a tweet, obviously. Uh, That's what you tweet, in my understanding. Yeah. Um, it's our brand new segment, What Are You Tweeting? This week with Rebby Hardy. Spoiler, it's a tweet. Of a uh, her doing an interview, and I don't know if it's going to be for a special, if it's going to be a part of this character where she's going to be in it with Maxel. Um, but the tweet said, "Quote: Matt will never get hired because of your mouth. WWE wouldn't touch you with a ten feet pole." Okay, cool, cool. And it's a picture of her in her house with a bunch of cameras interviewing her. Um, she looks like she's in normal attire. I forgot what she if she wore anything special if she had any costumes back when she was doing the uh, yeah she definitely she wasn't wearing like everyday clothes yeah so I don't know I don't know if she's alluding to the fact that she's been hired by them or if they're using her for a video but it definitely makes me think that she's going to be included in the storyline by the way her tweet yeah Uh, was that like w you get the impression it was WWE that was there to do whatever they were there to do, like the crew? Oh, definitely. Well, I think that's why she said WWE wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole. Okay. And it was their crew interviewing her. Like somebody um, had but, said that to her at some point. Right, yeah. She didn't tag anybody? She didn't tag anybody, but in the background, I'll actually send it to you while we're on the phone, but in the background is her house and her table, which is very Matt Hardy-esque. Like the, yeah. you know, this is not what their house looks like normally, I could imagine. They made it look like they're storing those videos. Yeah, okay. So, uh, I don't know. It made me definitely hopeful. Yeah, yeah, you and me both, man. Because if she comes in, I feel like she plays him out on the piano a lot of times as Broken Man Hardy. Yes, exactly. I just sent you the picture. Um, oh, that's what that was. I'll check it out. And um, did you? Well, did you see? Uh, apparently, Matt Hardy tweeted maybe not today, but recently that he's going to delete the uh, primary passenger Bray Wyatt's primary passenger or something to that effect, and he was talking about Sister Abigail. Had you you seen that? I'm on his feed right now. I shall sentence all villains and demons to the darkness of deletion. The great war is the oldest battle known to mankind. The war that has been waged for eternity, light for dark. We must fight as in... I can't even pronounce this word. Indefatigable. Oh, wow. Woken warriors. No, I haven't seen that, though. Oh, you didn't... If you scroll down, you... I think it was on Twitter. Um... This is some captivating podcast right here. I'm looking yeah, at Yeah, no, I don't see it. Huh. All right, then I guess I made it up, but I definitely, there was an article on, uh, I think, WrestleZone. Maybe he deleted it? That's what he is known for. That would be very meta. <laughs> be very meta. <laughs> oh, wait, I got it. The results of this mortal poll shall ultimately be rendered obsolete. It shall be a 100% deletion of Bray Wyatt. And his prominent passenger, the horrendous Sister Abigail. That was it. Right. Um, there you go. Do you think that it's possible that Sister Abigail is brought in for this feud? Well, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if if the story that they're going with is that Sister Abigail has been inside Bray Wyatt all along. Then maybe 
Broken Matt Hardy will feud with Bray Wyatt in his current form. There'll be some kind of WWE version of the final deletion, which anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out on YouTube. Both of them. Yeah, for starters. And maybe after that, call me crazy, but I was thinking, could Bray Wyatt, could we get like a like a clean-cut, tame version of Bray Wyatt once Sister Abigail has been deleted from him? You know what I mean? Like maybe that's what's been... Uh, influencing his style, influencing everything we've known about him thus far. Wow, I think that's a good idea. Another thing that I thought as of, a reveal that kind of plays off of that is that we know that Matt Hardy has the Lake of Incarnation, and what if True. Bray Wyatt gets thrown into it and he comes out as Sister Abigail? Oh yeah, the Lake of Reincarnation has been known to do things like that. I just hope that they take the time to rework what Sister Abigail looks like. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's gonna make you look good. Absolutely, she's not. She's not lake ready. She's definitely not lake ready. Just bear with me for a moment. Oh my god! Imagine he comes back as as uh, Husky Harris at one point. Oh wow, that would be a bold move. <laughs> yeah, because they have to worry about. Obviously, a lot of it was very tongue in cheek, and and definitely some of it was comedy. I mean, oh yeah, as, as serious as they wanted to make it, people were laughing at those videos, and I think Matt Hardy wanted them to. Definitely, but you have to worry with Bray Wyatt's character. You don't want him to enter that kind of territory either. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely um, not. Um, just like Matt Hardy said, it's kind of the battle versus like lightness versus darkness. So Bray Wyatt's, you know, whole, you know, looks, yeah, needs to be dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Broken Man Hardy's not like necessarily dark, you know. It's just it's he's just so obscure in like literally everything he does. Yes, very obscure. One thing is that in hindsight, I do kind of I would maybe have advised him to dye his hair, you know, all his natural color for WrestleMania, and then go back to it now because it is the same, virtually the same Matt Hardy we've been looking at from the neck up ever since. Funny you say that because that's another thing that I probably would have changed. Is I I think the whole thing here is that the broken character was always inside of Matt Hardy, and it was like that's why whenever he would do things, he would do delete, and then the the Matt yeah. Hardy version 2.0 thing and the Hardy Boy stuff. But I do wish oh, that I thought you meant just since he's come back this year with Jeff, like he's you're saying well, no. it's been in him all along throughout his entire WWE career. Is what you're saying? No, 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 no. I'm saying that when since he's come back, he's been doing okay. that. You know delete stuff, the version 2.0 stuff, the regular Hardy Boy stuff. So oh, I yeah, think he okay. did that for a pop for the crowd because the crowd knows that. But at the same time, you know, the delete, delete, delete is good because fans who probably still don't even know why they're chanting it, you know, casual fans are just chanting it to chant it. I guess now they've become accustomed to it and they can understand what that was all about. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're saying, yeah, like not have the hair to kind of make it a complete overhaul. Yeah. Just to really uh, highlight the difference, highlight the contrast between. But people will definitely start to get that impression, hopefully, the more that they feature it and, you know, pull back the curtain, I guess. Absolutely. Um, um, so what else on Raw? Um, on Raw, we had, I guess, the women. We had Sasha Banks versus Paige. Yes, we did. Uh, it was Paige's first match in a year. I heard. That's the buzz around the water cooler. How did you like the match? Uh, I liked it. I liked it. It sounds like better than you did. Even after we spoke, I watched it, some of it back, and I, you know, well, actually, why don't you say what you think, since what I think is basically a reaction to what you think. <laughs> so I thought it was a, a solid women's match in this era of, of women's wrestling. I just think that, A, I don't know if I would have gone to this match as Paige's first match. Maybe I would have done, like, 
I don't know if I said it on the show or to you or maybe to myself, but I always thought that they should do something with Paige and Alicia Fox because of their, you know, their friendship. And actually, the reason Paige's there you go. Uh, re-debut was delayed. You got it. You got what you wanted. Yeah, and, and the reason that their re-debut was uh, delayed was because of Paige posting a picture with Alicia Fox that kind of spoiled the fact that she was backstage. Oh, wow. Um, Jesus. So I would have kind of liked Paige and Alicia Fox, you know, someone a little bit on the lower on the totem pole, not to give Paige a warm-up match, but I mean, it kind of is that. I mean, you can't expect her to work like she's been working for... Yeah, but because they expect to probably, you know, wrestle again down the line and probably have more of the epic match you were hoping for, it sounds like. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Just, you know, if I was booking it, I wouldn't have gone to this match right away personally, but it was a solid match. There were a few spots that were off. You eventually saw that sunset with Powerbomb I talked to you about. Yeah, that's what I was alluding to, actually. I, I really, I didn't think it was as bad as you made it sound. Maybe I was maybe anticipating it too much. Well, I mean, it definitely wasn't supposed to happen where Paige is right on the ground and Sasha kind of had to like, throw herself off. It's supposed to be where you're still following through with the Powerbomb and yeah. she can kind of let go. Yeah, it was uh, a It little... wasn't a big deal. It just could have been bad if Sasha landed a little more on her neck. That's true. It was um, a little wonky for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I said, I think I just always envisioned Sasha and Paige having a really awesome match. And to be honest, Paige really left the WWE right when the women's revolution was happening. And she was putting those like multi-women matches with, you know, PCB and Team Bad where mm-hmm. they weren't really given enough time to shine. So, yeah. you know, maybe, like you said, down the road, Paige will have longer matches and really show what she's made of. But I actually don't even know... I know Paige is one of the, I would say, top five workers. I probably would put um, Natalia Paige, Sasha Charlotte, and now Asuka, uh, now that she's on the roster. So yeah. I definitely put her in that category. I just haven't had a chance to see her outside of her match with Emma being a competitive one-on-one match to really show what she's made of. Yeah, you're, you're talking about Asuka now. No, 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 Paige. Like, we're oh, okay, talking okay. about Paige in, in, in terms of, you know, this was my first chance okay. personally, a lot of us, of seeing her in a one-on-one, you know, 15-minute match. Right. And, you know, putting her against Sasha in her first televised match was a little ballsy, and it worked out. It, it was a good match. I just think that they could do more. Yeah, I feel like you just kind of answered your own inquiry, though, because, like, they wanted her to look good, you know, better than she might have with Alicia Fox. That's just to play the devil's advocate. Yeah. Or Vince's advocate. This is true. Good point. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm still, you know, definitely like, uh, unsure about this, the faction, you know, on both fronts, actually. Yeah. Um, so then Absolution comes out and they were at ringside along with Mickey James and Bailey. I'm assuming they're going to actually have a six women tag match finally next week with those. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Um, probably. Page, Page beat Sasha because of a, of, of a distraction because Sasha Banks decided to turn her back on Page, which I hate when baby faces do that personally. Yeah, and seriously, they don't, they, some of the, yeah, don't even get me started, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a little much, and then later on in the night, we had Asuka versus Alicia Fox, which I like that they're building up Asuka's competitors. It was a little weird, because some people questioned the choice of putting her with Emma in those competitive matches, and then going to Jobbers, and then going to Dana Brooke, but now, you know, Alicia Fox is a former champion. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she's probably still one of the lower workers in the company now, but she's talented enough to give... I like that the match allowed Alicia Fox to have a little bit of offense. Um, I still don't know why Emma was released, because the fact that they put Emma in that position to put up that fight with Asuka, and that's the only woman that was... No one has since. 
Yeah, right? so, yeah, like, it makes me think that they think that she was capable of that and or high enough in the hierarchy to justify their decision in choosing that. So, I don't know. But then, it's weird that they still chose to let her go. But that's Yeah, they immediately topic. somehow lost all faith in her and fired her. Like, what? It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, it's very weird. But, yeah. um, so, Oscar B. Talisha Fox, Absolution again comes out and yeah. toys with Asha. And then you get your page in uh, Foxy friendship follow-up. Yeah, I think that they'll probably do a Paige and Alicia Fox match going forward. If anything, actually, I think I said this oh. one of the first weeks Absolution debuted, but Mandy Rose on Tough Enough actually had her like almost like their final exam, if you will, in quotes. Yeah. Was having a match with the women had it with Alicia Fox and the men had it with Cesaro. And Paige was a judge, right? Yes. So they're all Which like they intertwined still- if they want to go back to that. Yeah, and I don't know. I still think that would have been a really great justification for this group and i hate that they haven't done it yet yeah yeah it's a clear connection Paige didn't say anything about when 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 they debuted i thought she like may have alluded to that history i'm like well, 90 percent sure she didn't yeah i'm probably wrong where do you see this oscar storyline happening you don't think there's any chance they turn oscar heel and have him join her do you no i mean i okay. fucking hope sure. not the way they've been booking her so far would it would definitely be a big twist on Bleacher Report, somebody wrote an article that they're building to Asuka and Paige at WrestleMania. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, definitely. In fact, you wishful book that last week. Maybe they were just listening to us. Yeah, I mean, I wishful book that that's when Paige would turn heel. So doing it, I mean, I still think that Nia and Alexa Bliss should be in it if the Four Horsewomen match is actually happening, which I still don't know, which I say every week. But yeah. I, that's still penciled into my WrestleMania card. Yeah, but, um, mine too. I don't know. When do you think, like, before when we talked about Strowman and Kane, I think you seem to believe that, I mean, you think Strowman and Kane might happen at WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble? WrestleMania. I think WrestleMania. Or the or yeah. or it might just end next week. Yeah, you see, I, so you don't, so why don't you think the Rumble is, is, is a possibility? Like, why are you going either to, like, next week or WrestleMania? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just... I just can't think of anything else for Strowman. I'm pretty much, I'm leaning more towards WrestleMania because I just don't know what else you do with Strowman for WrestleMania other than, you know, completely forget about him for the entire season like they did last year. John Cena. That's oh, yeah, thought. maybe. Maybe. I, I, you don't, so you don't think there's any chance that uh, Taker comes back for a match with Cena? Oh, boy. Um... <laughs> I mean, I guess if it, if it were to happen, it would probably have to happen this year. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say the, no. Um, you know, the beat-up veteran with the bad hip line is what's got me thinking that more than anything else. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I definitely think that there's some fuel there. I think it could be a great feud. I do think that the Undertaker's inclusion at the 25th anniversary of Raw in my eyes, at least, goes beyond just the fact that he's been a staple of that program. And I don't know if you saw the new WWE Network series called Straight to the Source with Corey Graves, or if you heard about it. Heard about it. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. So Roman Reigns was the first guest, and Corey Graves... I mean, they've been saying this on commentary ever since, but Corey Graves said, you know, how do you feel that you had possibly Undertaker's last match? So I just can't see them alluding to the fact that he's retired and then coming back to the 25th anniversary of Raw to do something random. So I still think that that may have WrestleMania implications that maybe John Cena is included in. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. 
I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, I think that Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt is definitely something that I, I would do at the Rumble. I don't think they could stretch that out to WrestleMania. Or should, probably. They could. I don't think they should, right. I Unless... think that, um, especially being in Philly, if like yeah. the Matt Hardy, if they can somehow wait, well, uh, let's see, the Royal Rumble is... What if they did... What if they did, like, a final deletion-style um, pre-recorded thing that they aired on the Christmas episode, and, you know, Bray Wyatt actually got turned and was, was a disciple of Matt Hardy come Royal Rumble, and then they're in the Rumble like that? You see, that's actually where I was uh, being creative with. So there's seven weeks until the Royal Rumble. I think they can get away with not having Matt Hardy on television until then fine-tuning his, you know, what it's they want crazy. his entrance to be, all of those things. Yeah. Have Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. I kind of thought about what you thought, having Bray Wyatt join Matt Hardy, yeah. and then having, like, Sanity debut. Oh, and do wow. WrestleMania, maybe you do, if, if Jeff Hardy's ready, you do Matt Hardy, Brother Nero, and Bray Wyatt versus Sanity. Yeah, I don't know if he will be ready by then. Well, he claims that he will. He did an, he did an, uh, an oh. interview. I don't, I don't know if he... I think that's like the soonest possible date is, is uh, WrestleMania. That's okay. what he's like aiming for. And the doctor said it's a possibility. Well, he obviously he knows better than me. Um, but I don't know if you remember, what was it was called Final Deletion? And then what was the other thing they had with that group, Decay? Uh, what was that called? Final, uh, um, it was the other... Delete or Decay? Right, it was yes. called Delete or Decay. So they, and I was thinking of like a group that's kind of similar to Decay that has that dark vibe that I could see in that in that area, and Sanity kind of fits the bill perfectly. Yeah, actually, as a group that, that would work in that kind of uh, situation. Also, well, this won't happen. It's actually of, like this. It's it's two guys and a or no, Sanity's three guys and a girl, right? Or they would they yeah, come up yeah. there? Yeah, maybe you could have like Nikki Cross and like uh, Rebby Hardy not wrestle, but like do something to each other. Yeah. It would be equally similar, but it would work as well. Oh, I don't know if Rebby is a is a wrestler because you know their son Max. Oh, was... she's not. <laughs> yeah, we do know she's not. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, I don't know if she would get get you know if she has but plans like, to it, get. But 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 Rosemary and Rebby had like interactions during those things. That, that, that's kind of like what I was going for. Oh, yeah, for. definitely. But it was like in a pre-recorded, edited kind of way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. Um, a lot of potential. I don't think there's anything else. Oh, one last thing I have to talk about before we go to SmackDown is, God, I really hope they're not going to be turning Nia Jax into like a karma or like a joke. That whole thing was yeah. really scary. Yeah. When Nia Jax said, I mean, I have to say, the way she did it was like really cute, and she played the role perfectly. The way she said it, like her delivery was on point. Yeah, but I just don't want them to go down that route. You just hate that she's even in that situation. Um, and uh, she was not on two five live this week. I thought she was based yeah. on a tweet, but she was not. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I thought she might be after Raw. You had mentioned in passing this is perhaps a way to keep her away from Oscar, away from the title picture at least for the time being, but to keep her in everybody's mind. But, yeah, hopefully it's not at the expense of uh, taking any credibility away from her. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's hard that you have Asuka and Nia Jax as two intimidating forces that Absolution may be hesitant to go against. 
Yeah. I don't think you'll have Asuka and Nia join forces because Asuka and Nia is a, a pretty big money match that they can yeah. probably main event like a C-level pay-per-view with. That's a good point. Um, like, what is Absolution can't do the same thing with Nia Jax that they're doing with Asuka? Whatever that right. is. So it's hard to keep her off television, but I wouldn't do this with her because then when she does eventually want to fight Asuka, people are going to remember whatever the storyline is and probably not fire into her as a threat as much as she would have been if she wasn't in the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what did you think about the fact that her and Enzo were like the same height, basically? Uh, I didn't really notice it until you said it, actually, but I went back and watched it. She actually kind of looked a little bit taller. Okay, because I, you know, she definitely, like, they at least present her as though she towers over the rest of the Raw Women's Division, so... I don't know. I've, it, it, it was definitely a lot closer than I would think those two are, just perception-wise. Yeah, I mean, it would also be a pretty cool storyline if she, like, beats up the Cruiserweights and she has, like, intergender matches with them. Yeah. But then again, that would kind of demasculate them as well. It could, but, I mean, not if they do it right, maybe. Or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But that definitely, that idea has a potential, at least, to do it on a short-term or even yeah. one-time thing. Um, is there anything else on Raw? I think that's it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's okay. it for me. Um, SmackDown's been really easy to talk about because they have one central storyline going on, which I am... Yeah, that's very considerate of them. Borderline getting sick of and then borderline finding intriguing. So this week I was praying <laughs> that I wouldn't hear Here Comes the Money uh, at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And I was so happy that I didn't hear that. Here comes the money. Kevin Owens came out. And it sucks, because all these promos are the same thing. We're being mistreated. Um, Sami Zayn spent five minutes, while he's great at being a heel, and he's doing a lot better than I thought he would or could. Not that I don't think he has the performing capabilities. I just was worried about him being a heel. Yeah, but like the way very, they approach you know, it in WWE. Yeah, and he comes off great. He's, you know, he's, he's describing that what we all already knew, that he wasn't really ringside, and he's explaining what ringside is, and obviously it was annoying, and he was getting heel heat. And then Randy Orton comes in the ring, RKO's Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon comes out, announces Kevin, uh, Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton with Kevin Owens handcuffed to the ring. Why Kevin Owens couldn't just be handcuffed like somewhere backstage when there could be tools conveniently placed at ringside to get the handcuffs off or beyond me? Yeah, I can't explain but, that, unfortunately. Or like put him in like a room to be forced to watch it or like have security guard him. But it doesn't that, seem you know, like it would be that hard to come to that conclusion, right? Like, if you were putting any thought into it at all? No, I mean, the story seems to be Kevin and Sandy being crafty enough to get out of these predicaments, yet I knew going into it, well, they're going to obviously get the handcuffs off. Clearly. Check off handcuffs. Was it John Cena or Batista where there was a last man standing match and John Cena was... Oh, I think it was Randy Orton, or maybe it wasn't a last man standing match. Maybe a TLC match where John Cena was handcuffed to the ropes, but then he untied the turnbuckle so he was able to break free oh that was uh Remember cm that? punk that was cm punk oh he undid okay. the whole uh so, yeah it was at tlc it was in a tlc match with the miz and alberto del rio and it was awesome actually it's a great finish very suspenseful at the time yeah and i actually thought that that's something that kevin owens would do but um yeah because usually they handcuff him in the corner because the rope i thought maybe it would be something where you know since he still had the flexibility so to speak to move up and down the entire one side of the ring right yeah but they didn't um, really do anything with that and then they also announced the clash of champions uh obviously o- over the weekend they announced three other title matches since it is a pay-per-view where 
every title is defended, even though 80% of all pay-per-views uh, have the same thing, but that's yeah. another story. And even though um, it's called Clash of Champions, and we, we were coming off the heels of a co-branded pay-per-view where all the champions literally clashed with each other. So it's just very confusing and mixed messaging and, you know. Doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, very really, really um, short on possible pay-per-view names. I guess. Uh, well, I mean, and that's the thing, they're not. Like, I would love to see Vengeance brought back. Oh, no. I would love to see Halloween Havoc brought back in terms of October. Yeah, and I could come up with a million good ones. Both of us yeah. could. You know, better than Definitely. any of them that are currently... We should do that one episode down the road. I'll try to make a list. Definitely. Um, but some of those other matches that were announced was a initially a triple threat match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles between uh, the Usos defending against... Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin Wait and the New Day. You're not going to tell me they made it a four-way after the, what happened on Tuesday. Wait, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. I didn't catch that part. I mean, oh, I kind yeah, of when they, I saw that what, what the finish of the New Day match on Tuesday was, I kind of that was my first thought, obviously. But I just, just, I, yeah, I didn't. I yeah, hoped. I they, thought uh, better. They announced that right. They, they, they announced it right afterwards that oh. it's now going to be a fatal four-way with well, Bruce Hiven, Aiden English, which, shit. I mean, I don't really think one victory over the New Day should grant them a title match. It shouldn't. But I do think that it gives the match a little more excitement. I think Bruce Hiven, Aiden English are doing really well together. They exhibit some great tag team chemistry, and I also think they should consider turning them babyface as well. Bruce yeah, Hiven, I can see why far, you would say that, just as kind of a, you know, with the comedy aspect of it at least. Yeah, I mean, it got it got it got roots of a new shirt for it, for God's sake. Yeah, so, uh, but I mean, um, but on the other hand, New Day is you know they're trying to make them like the best tag team of all time. Maybe you know I don't know. Rusev and Aiden English strike me as an alliance more than a team that should be you know together able to beat a team like New Day, even with the way it went down. Well, I would have had since the Uso seemed to also be veering in babyface territory since last week. I don't know if you if you remember when Biggie brought out pancakes. That was weird. I do remember that, and it was very weird now that you mention it. And the Usos were very, like, happy about it, and I think that their older characters would have, like, slapped it out of their faces. I mean, I understand that there's a level of respect after their amazing series, but at the same time, I don't know why you would book that if the Usos weren't going to be full-fledged baby faces. Yeah. But, um... Am I... Real quick, am I out of the loop on this pancake thing? Because when he came out last week, and he did the cereal thing like they usually do, and they dump the cereal into somebody's mouth... And he goes to do that, and he just dumps out huge pancakes that just, like, fall on this kid and then fall to the ground. Was that not... I was, like, laughing out loud for 10 minutes. I completely forgot about that until you said that. Last week. Yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe they were going to have New Day branded pancakes, perhaps. I'm not sure what that was about. But just, like, it wasn't in context at all that he just randomly, instead of having cereal in this cereal box, he had huge pancakes that weren't going to do what he was trying to accomplish, seemingly. Did he do that last week, or did he do that the same week he gave it to Jimmy Uso? That wasn't last week. I thought that was. Oh, was it two weeks ago? I thought it was. No, I think. Oh, I don't know. This. I don't recall, the same week, I don't ever I recall that happening. No, it was all the same week, I believe, because then the the pancakes that he gave to the Usos were in his tights, and he had like right. syrup in his tights too. It was very, very weird. Yeah, I didn't really. Yeah, that was very strange. Um, very odd. I think that. Um, what I would book for the tag division, which Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn fans may not like, is that I would have the Usos retain, and then Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn wind up um, 
facing the Usos near or at WrestleMania or defend them at WrestleMania and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn become tag team champions because I have a really like year plus story arc of uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn becoming a staple of SmackDown, becoming tag team champions, holding the titles for a decent amount of time and having... You ultimately wanted to lead to another a breakup of them, like to come full circle from where they started in WWE and yeah, have a match uh, at I, WrestleMania 35. Uh, well, shit, you spoiled it, but yeah, that's exactly it. I feel like you mentioned um, that before. Maybe not on any Um I would have Kevin Owens win Money in the Bank and have Sami Zayn help him win it, and then you're kind of thinking, like, oh, Sami Zayn's eventually going to like fuck up the cash-in, but then have Kevin Owens be champion near WrestleMania 35 and have Sami Zayn win the Rumble and have oh, Kevin and then, Owens think that Sami Zayn is going to shift brands and then he turns on Kevin and that's your WrestleMania main event. Yeah, or even he, you know, chooses the... Kevin Owens title and he just kind of like acts like it's going to be fine and they'll figure it out when they get there and you slowly kind of break them up between then and Wrestlemania maybe I also thought it'd be interesting for this year's Royal Rumble to have Kevin and Sammy say like oh we could beat all 28 other guys and then have Shane McMahon say that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to be entrance one and two they might and then for like 90 seconds have them like fucking around in the ring not like touching each other or I guess you, you could you could also do this next year, because I think it's way too early to break them up now. But yeah. next year you could do something like that where Kevin and Sammy are like taking everyone out and then like at the last minute Sammy throws out Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. But um Some yeah, there's definitely loads of combinations of uh, tons of potential on the horizon with Kevin and Sammy. I mean, the sky's the limit. But getting back to this week, um, because you just something you just said made me think of. I definitely don't want to not talk about the fact that they have this tag match, Kevin and Sammy versus Orton and Shinsuke, uh, for Clash of Champions with Shane as the referee. Now, is he the referee or the enforcer? Yes. Yeah, so in the main event, we have Randy Orton versus Sammy Zayn. Uh, Randy Orton ultimately wins with a roll up, which I actually liked. I think that they kind of. I don't know if they were intending to protect Sammy, but I liked how it was a roll-up. And initially, Randy Orton said that his tag team partner, they made it sound like it would be a surprise. And then I knew it was going to be Shinsuke at the end of the show. Of course. Shinsuke I mean, comes out been paying to, attention. That's, he's been... Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, they also already did this match, so I feel like they had to do something different. Because I was thinking, there's no way they're going to do this match and make us think that we want to see it again. And then sure enough, Shane is going to be the special... Shane is going to be the special referee, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will be fighting for their jobs. Yeah. So here's here's this is where my head explodes because last week or whenever it was that Daniel Bryan and Shane were discussing why Daniel Bryan you know was going to fire him one week, and then Shane is questioning why he didn't the following week. Daniel Bryan says, "Well, they can just go to Raw if we do that." If Shane could just put a stipulation on a match where if they lose, they're fired from all of WWE, then why wouldn't he just say that to Daniel Bryan when Daniel Bryan says if we fire them, they'll go to Raw? Am I crazy here? Did you? Um, I'm, I'm Is that a new power you, uh, that Shane listen. only recently discovered that he could do as commissioner? Like fire them from all of WWE instead of SmackDown? Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Go ahead. I'm assuming you listened to Wade Keller this week. Uh, actually, I didn't, believe it or not. Are he and I on the same uh, wavelength already? Yeah, he said the same thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they could find Shane McMahon or make a complaint to the board of directors that Shane has the kind of power to 
Shane is the commissioner of SmackDown, so I don't know how he has any saying on who gets fired from the entire company. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly. The legal part of it makes no sense, but we yeah. use it that also makes no sense, yeah. But it's just... Yeah, I don't know. There's no proper explanation for it. So, so yeah, so if they get fired... So, basically, spoiler alert here, they're not... They're going to win at Clash of Champions. Yeah, so I don't know if you noticed Daniel Bryan looked very unpleased with that announcement from Shane. Oh, I, I didn't, but, I mean, that makes sense with everything that's been happening. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't know, there's, there's been, like, a theory that everybody would, like, turn Jane O'Brien heel and, like, fuck up his chances of being popular on the indie yeah. scene, which is never going to happen, ever. Well, oh, but, I didn't even, we've talked about him turning heel before, but I didn't even, that that agenda, I think, is, that's the first time I've heard that mentioned. Yeah, there's, like, a theory that Vince would try and, like, kind of take away some of his luster, but I don't think that would be the case if Brian's returning to the ring, no matter where it is. Yeah, like, like um, that, that would effectively happen. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is going to be a Randy Orton heel turn. I do think there's going to be a big angle out of this, which is going to have WrestleMania ramifications though. Yeah. I think that... I think that's a safe bet. It's too black and white for either Kevin and Sammy to either lose or not lose. They're obviously not getting fired. Um... Of course. No chance that's what you got. If they were still being, like, disciplined backstage, or maybe if they really wanted to facilitate these rumors or thoughts that... Oh, Kevin okay. and Sammy are being disciplined or like the stuff that happened on the European tour. Right. Like if they wanted to add fuel to those rumors. Yeah, they were wondering if it was like manufactured or something. But I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because Dana Bryan was in the same position where he had a McMahon try and stack the odds against him. And yes, he was doing things that weren't underhanded. But I feel like there's a connection to be made for the fact that Dana Bryan went through this entire thing a couple years ago. Oh, he can absolutely relate to... Sammy and Kevin in storyline, especially Sammy, because they're both like, you know, revered underdogs. Also, the fact that Shane McMahon is allowing Randy Orton to be the one when Randy Orton is probably one of the worst defenders of people who have attacked the McMahons, including oh, yeah. almost all of them. All of them. Yeah, Vince but McMahon, Stephen McMahon. That's classic short-sighted WWE. You're totally right, but we'll be here all day. I mean, that's nothing I new. Know. I just think I would not put Randy in this position. I mean, yeah, I understand he's a main event guy. This is your top, second top match of Clash of Champions, but it's just a really weird choice. I, I I, don't know. I mean, I guess the only other option would be Bobby Roode, and he's not at that level yet. Yeah. Um, well, and we also know what he's going to be doing. But, he did um, rep SmackDown on Survivor Series. Yeah, which I have to imagine, I, w- I was watching his entrance this past week, because I started to say before how there were three matches made. We'll get to the other two matches in a few seconds, but I actually really like, despite the fact that he was eliminated just like Nakamura was, so in that sense, he doesn't look as bad, but I really liked that they included him, because I didn't think that they would in that Survivor Series match. I think that was a really, I think it was a really good idea, because the casual fans watch at least the big four pay-per-views, and to see this guy, who they may not know of or hear of, be in that main event position, I think it was part of them. I mean, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with him going forward. And it wasn't like he had a star-making performance in the match. He did I have a show up. Just with, gonna say, <laughs> he did have a sh- he did have a show up with, with Triple H though, and he yeah. did feel important for at least a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we definitely he definitely could have hung around a little bit longer. But yeah, you're you're right. He did he did he did definitely get featured and feel important for that little bit of time before he got uh, excavated from the match. Oh, and he also right. he also had that spot where he contributed to the suplex onto Braun Strowman. Onto the table, rather. 
Yeah. Um, and then speaking of Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode is now in a triple threat match for the United States Championship, which I thought would be a singles match, like I think everyone else did, between yeah. Baron Corbin defending against Bobby Roode. And now Dolph Ziggler is in it, and they gave the lamest excuse for why Dolph Ziggler is in it. That he's <laughs> a two-time champion, he cashed in money in the bank successfully. Like, okay, does that mean that The Miz deserves a shot at anything when he wants it? Or yeah. that... Or anyone else who won Money in the Bank, fucking uh, uh, Damian uh, Sandow. I, I don't know what that meant. Yeah, anybody um, who's ever won a Money in the Bank, any lower title, they can just get an opportunity whenever they want. You didn't know that? Well, the icing on the cake is the fact that he also was a great wrestler in Kent State 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. what the fuck? I mean, he, had a, he did have a recent series of matches with Bobby Roode. I mean, Bobby Roode ultimately won the feud, but... He could say that he had traded victories with the current number one contender. Something. I mean, you know, if you don't want to even maybe have a match where he, like, do a draw. something. I mean, I mean, there's a million better ways. There's a million ways to do it. They didn't even really do it. That was just lazy as hell. You're totally right. Literally. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I don't really have much else to talk about on SmackDown. Like, the women's scene, I just want to see where they're going with it. They didn't really accomplish much. The women's title match at Clash of Champions, you think will be a lumberjack match with everyone, including the Riot Squad? First of all, I thought the female lumberjack matches were supposed to be called lumberjill matches. Oh, they are, actually. They are. You're right. And this one isn't. And also, they talk about how they took Naomi out, but Naomi was in the graphic for the lumberjack. It was the Riot Squad, um, Carmella, Tamina, Lana, and Naomi, which is weird. Yeah, that would be a quick recovery from a broken face. I mean, granted, it's in two weeks, but I don't even know why they would. I mean, it would have been maybe cool even if they still. had her come out randomly, or yeah. maybe like even if, if they can get Becky Lynch and Naomi back to like finally let the Riot Squad have their come up and. Yeah. Um, so you think, but you think either way, the Riot Squad will be a part of that. I mean, they ha- I guess they have well, to just they were in the, wise. They were in the graphic, yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. Sorry. Sarah Logan is not a good talker. They have to not let her talk. Did you, see, did you see her backstage thing with Dana Ryan? No. What did she do? I, I, no, oh, I my God. You have to go back and watch it immediately when we're done recording. Is it early on? I think right after Rusev and uh, New Day. Okay, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. She, like, fucked you. Like, meant to say, like, I don't know where you're from. And then she, like, forgot where Dana Ryan was from. And she, like, mumbled something. And, like, her accent what? is very forced. It was, it was bad. Why do they even do that shit live, especially with somebody so new to like the the not not new in general, but new to that stage, you know, on that level? You know what I mean? Yeah. And also not only that, but then they they gave her a live mic in in the arena after that when they had the match with Charlotte and Tamina, which was fucking awful, by the way. Yeah, it was definitely nothing to write home about. Yeah. But see that like I I, you kind of have no choice if you're insistent on having them both have a line in that situation. But backstage, you could just do that in advance. So this way you do another take until she gets it right. And then there's no reason you can't just play it back over the screen and you'll still pick up the live crowd's response to the to the playback. True. Yeah, no, anything would, would have been better than what we had, believe me. Agreed. Uh, Completely agree. So that, that is the women's match. And then we, we, uh, oh, and then Ginger Mahal and AJ Styles weren't even on the show. They only showed like a, a video package, which was a great video package. It was. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they had like a dark match later on that night because I noticed that when they're off the show, they have a dark match. Probably. And they don't want to do like double duty or whatever. But um, if you went to see SmackDown right now and AJ Styles wasn't there at all, you would not be 
you would not be satisfied, correct? Fuck no. Yeah, he has to. He has Absolutely. to be there. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe he didn't wrestle gender, but he, I'm sure he wrestled in a dark match. We had Mojo Riley cut his first promo after yeah. um, the Rider breakup, which was all right. They have to give him a new shirt. That fucking yellow oh, was God. blinding him. Seriously, not necessarily just black and white, but definitely darker colors than that shit. And yeah. uh, as far as his uh, demeanor, I was pretty much as expected for me personally. Yeah, um, the Bludgeon Brothers being excluded from the tag match is kind of interesting, just because I feel like I mean they've only just debuted, but I definitely feel like I would think that they deserve a match. Maybe not over Rusev and in the English, but at least they've been so dominating that I could see them holding their own in the match. I well, guess. yeah, but then you have to write them out of that situation while looking strong and not capturing the titles. Well, it's the title story, so, so the first one who, who makes yeah, the pinfall wins. Still, they aren't, if they aren't pinned, then I don't think that's a big deal. Even still, I don't uh, know. They're like two or three matches in on TV. Yeah, but we also know of them as like, you know, Luke Harper is a former Intercontinental. I mean, if they want to go without Dolph Ziggler's excuse, you know, uh, I don't. It's, I think it's just Harper and just Rowan, actually. So, I, and I, I don't know Harper. I know I remember Luke Harper, but I don't know Harper Bludgeon. Right? How dare I forget that? But Harper is a former tag team and Intercontinental title, and they both held the NXT titles. So if they wanted to use Dolph Ziggler's excuse, they definitely could have justified having them in there. But I see what you mean as well. Yeah, still build them up a little bit before. You um, decide that you're not just going to uh, give up on the gimmick and fire them, like I still think might happen. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, like you have some personal issues. This is just ridiculous. Other than that, I, I don't think I have anything else. Same. Uh, we still have a week before Clash of Champions? We do, yes. Next okay. week. Next week is uh, the last week to go home SmackDown. Okay. So then we'll, I guess yeah. we'll catch everybody on the other side of WWE's Go Home TV for our Go Home episode to Clash of Champions. Absolutely. Where the champions won't clash. Well, they should. Yeah, um, they won't. And uh, we are champions, though, and this well, is the Wishful Booking Wrestling Podcast. Half true. My name is Jimmy Moorcraft. You can catch me on Twitter at Dr. Moorcraft. And my name is Liam McNulty. You can catch me on Twitter at Real Huge Actor. You can like our Facebook page at Wishful Booking Pod and email in uh, your own Wishful Booking, wishfulbooking at gmail.com. And you will hear us next week. So long, guys. Later, guys.